Coming up in this bonus episode of the Grown Up Rock Podcast, I catch up with Pretty Maids frontman Ronnie Atkins. The Maids recently released a live DVD slash CD to mark the 30th anniversary of Future World called Made in Japan. So get ready to crank it up. Ronnie Atkins, along with guitarist Ken Hammer, formed Pretty Maids in Denmark back around 1981. This was another band I seem to remember reading about in one of the many import magazines I used to read back then to get turned on to new bands. I got Red Hot and Heavy when it was released in 84, which was a band's first record. Honestly, I remember loving it, but for some reason, I lost track of the band after that first album. Perhaps because it was a year of huge change for me. That was the year I graduated high school, so a lot was going on. I don't know. Anyway, fast forward many years later, and I discovered the band once again with the album release of Pandemonium. Yeah, I know that's a huge gap and even missed probably their most successful record in Future World. Uh, It's not like I missed it altogether because I had heard a few things here and there, especially the record Future World. I heard tons off of that record Uh, and I liked it as well. It just never really stuck uh, until Pandemonium. Now with the 30th anniversary of Future World, the podcast and the fact that the last four studio albums that this band has released have been absolutely awesome. Uh, And then now, of course, with this Made in Japan live CDD DVD set, it's really reminded me of just how killer and huge this band sounds. I must admit, if you get the chance to check out this uh, Made in Japan Back to the Future World Uh, this live DVD slash CD set from Pretty Maids. Definitely get out there and check it out. It's got 15 tracks on the CD, and it's killer. They basically do Future World front to back, and then they add on a few songs from some of their other records along the way. And it's just a killer, killer concert DVD. Uh, Sounds great. Looks great. So definitely get out there and check it out. It's out there for you to pick up now. So check it out. Pretty Maids, Made in Japan, Back to Future World. Awesome. Ronnie was recently diagnosed with cancer and has been ongoing treatment. So all of that combined with the whole COVID thing has sidelined the band from performing and playing some of the killer new music off of last year's Undress Your Madness. It's a source of frustration for Ronnie. It's a source of frustration for us, the fans. We were set to see them this year on the Monsters of Rock cruise, but sadly, and of course, understandably, they had to cancel. Uh, Ronnie's also a member of Nordic Union with Eclipse's Eric Martinson. They also put out a couple of great albums, so if you get a chance, go check those out as well. All that being said, I jumped at the chance to speak with Ronnie about his health, the past record, and of course, this new DVD that they just released. 
I hope you enjoyed this short chat with Ronnie Atkins from Pretty Maids and some killer music. Hi, this is Ronnie Atkins from Pretty Maids, and you listen to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael. Welcome to the Growing Up Rock Podcast from Pretty Maids, Ronnie Atkins. Ronnie, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm fine. So first and foremost, and I'm sure you're absolutely tired of answering this question, but we only wish you the best. How are you doing? How's your health, man? Well, uh, <laughs> I take every day as it comes. Right now, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm, I've been struggling with, uh, yeah, you know, we probably know with cancer. Right. And... Uh, you know, lung cancer is a, well, cancer in general is a nasty bastard. So, uh, but at the moment, the last cancer I had were good, you know, and I'm, um, I'm fine. I'm, I'm in very good spirit at the moment and um, I'm feeling very good. Uh, I'm struggling with some pain issues for, uh, from the surgery and the radiotherapy I had, you know, which is uh, like a permanent nerve damage kind of thing. But, but you know, cancer is cancer. But I, I'm, I got, you know, I got to live in the now. You know, since I had this diagnosis, and it, it's uh, used to say, like my psychologist said, like it's like having cancer is like uh, like being an antelope on the savannah. If you know what I mean, you know, it's you never know if you will have a relapse or it uh, where's it going to come next. You know, that's just a new reality that I have to adapt to, and that's it. You know, and I, I don't want to sit in the corner and and say I'm going to die. You know, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I live life as I always did, you know, and right now I'm feeling very good. Very good. Awesome. You got a lot of fans out here that are pulling for you. I got to let you know that right up front. Thanks, man. It's good to hear. I get to, I, I'm so appreciative of all the, uh, the messages and stuff I get on the internet and stuff like that when we've talked about this issue. It really means a lot to me. So I'm happy to hear that. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Pretty Maids has been around since 81 and you've witnessed like a ton of change in the music business over the year. In all those changes, we've never seen anything like we're experiencing today, obviously. No. I think we can all agree that in some way the live music experience will change going forward. Ronnie, as someone in the business, what are you hearing? When will we get back to live music? What changes do you think will come? Well, well, this is so such a such a drag to me. This is so much a big pain in the ass to me, to musicians all over the world, to, to the whole rock and roll community, to the fans. You know, you know. I mean, a year without any being able to go to a live concert is, is horrible. You know, I don't know. I mean, I personally, because of all my illness shit and all the things I went through, I was so much looking forward this summer to go, go out, meet, see people again. You know, go go to the festivals after like uh, something like eight nine months in a on a, in, on a personal lockdown. So when this Corona thing came along, I said, I can't, but it can't be real. I mean, it can't, it can't happen to me, all this shit, you know. But now it happens to everybody. 
it's horrible. What can I say? It's horrible. I don't know when it when it, when it's going to open up again for for live concerts. But I mean, I, I spoke to people, uh, spoke to people, to agencies in Germany and stuff like that, and they say like the earliest February March next year. You yeah. know, and and that's a might a long time, you know, for people. And I I really feel sorry for all the rock and roll fans out there because I mean, people are looking forward every year for the festival seasons. For instance, you know. Because that's like their vacation, the, the holiday, the event they're looking uh, looking for, uh, looking out for for a year, you know, and saving up money to have a good time and stuff like that. It's just terrible. I mean, I mean, nobody, we we never experienced this before, but it's it's just horrible. It's just terrible. I don't know, and I feel totally like everybody else, you know, because I mean, I I really hope that I'll be able to maybe be back on stage in August, you know, in 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 the real world. Right. But uh, that's not the way things are. So um, yeah. It's a pain in the ass for me as well, as everybody else. Yeah, of course, of course. To me, Pretty Maid's sound gradually changed from the band's first album to Future World and then Jump the Gun. Was that a conscious effort on the band's behalf or just something where the band was just growing with experience? So you're talking about the first couple of albums we did, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the first album was so much different than Future World and then Jump the Gun. You could hear where that sound just really gradually changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in those uh, early years, I mean, still from, if you listen to Jump the Gun and up to, to the stuff we've done in the last 10 years, there's also a big difference, you know. But I think in those those first couple of years, we had to, you know, to find our own style, see where we were at, you know. And I think we matured pretty quickly as as far as songwriting goes, you know. And um, uh, so I think it was that was just a natural progress uh, yeah. that that happened. And and I think that um, well, I still think like Future World was probably the album that we we kind of defined ourselves, you know, where we where we found the formula of what this what this band was all about, you know. And this band has always been about the more heavy stuff and the more melodic stuff, you know, we always thought that a good song is a good song, you know, but, but at the same time as we were very much influenced by the, you know, the new wave of British, British heavy metal and bands like uh, Zeppelin, Sabbath, Purple, Thin Lizzy, Kiss coming out of the seventies. And then also bands like, well, like the new wave of original, like Maiden, the Def Leppard and all that kind of stuff, but also bands like Journey and Foreigner, you know, from America. Uh, so I think it's 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 a kind of a big mix-up of all that that ended up as something called Pretty Mates, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a run of three albums, Future World, Jump the Gun, and Sin Decade, you guys worked with three pretty accomplished producers, Eddie Kramer, Roger Glover, and Fleming Rasmussen. Uh, yeah. These guys were three very different producers that produced three different sounding records. How did those three experiences for you as an artist differ? Well, in, individually, the, the, it was great working with all of them because it gave. We learned a lot from that, you know, and uh, I think it was some kind of a coincidence that led to it, you know, because uh, when we did the Future World album, we wanted to have an American producer, and, and back then we were very hooked on a band called. I mean, Eddie Kramer has a. has done a lot of great names like Jimi Hendrix. Uh, well, he, he's even. I think he's been engineering Beatles records as well, you know. But and Kiss, and Kiss was always a uh, one of our favorite bands back then. And so he was like a natural twist. But there was actually a band called Icon from I think from California, Arizona or something. They did an album called Night of the Crime back in eighty eighty five. And we we at the time being we just loved that album for some reason and and realized Eddie Kramer produced that album. So when we 
when we went for Eddie Kramer and he's and he was uh, available, you know, he was the choice. And uh, then it ended up, it became a very long process. And the end of the day, when he was actually he was sacked. He was a very nice guy, but he was sacked from the record company, and and then Fleming Rasmussen took over and mixed part of the album. Kevin Elson, who used to do Journey and stuff like that, did some of the more commercial tracks on the album. And then that kind of led to the fact that we worked with uh, Fleming Rasmussen later on. And we, we actually did for a couple of albums in our career, but the next one was Syndicate, that's true. Jump the Gun was because we, we chose Roger Glover because we toured with Deep Purple in, in, on the Future World album in 87 in Europe. We did a full European tour with them and some festivals. And, and we got to know the guys. And uh, Roger was a truly, extremely fantastic, nice guy. So was all the guys in Purple, actually. Uh, and we got this kind of relationship. So when we uh, did the demos for um, for Jump the Gun, we we passed over a tape to Roger Glover when we went to see Deep Purple in Copenhagen, and uh, and he liked the stuff, and he was especially amazed by one particular track called Savage Heart.
And I think that song was pretty much one of the reasons why he chose to do the album. So we worked with him, and that was that was just another great experience. When we we learned so much, so much from those guys, and then we worked with other people as well later on. But um, but those were the great albums we did back then. And um, yeah, what can I say? You're one of the few bands that I think that's functioning still today. That I think the work that you're putting out today is every bit as good, if not really even better than some of your earlier work. Well, if you ask me, I mean, uh, I think what we've accomplished in the last 10 years is probably some of the best stuff we've ever done. That, that's my personal opinion. Um, but in my optics, it is. I think since we started working with uh, producer Jacob Hansen back in Pandemonium, it was like, like a, I don't know what happened. It was just like the band suddenly had, had a, we, we, we had our fire back and we started writing good songs after being on, on a, some kind of a hiatus for, for a couple of years. I don't know what happened, but since that, we've been pretty solid, you know, when it comes to songwriting and, and producing albums and also more productive than we were in the past because there was normally like three or four years between every album and stuff like that, sometimes more, I guess. But I'm still proud of what we did back in the 80s. You know, the, the albums like Red Hot and Heavy, Future World, Jump the Gun are still like milestones for the band because those albums were the albums that kind of defined what the band was all about, I guess, you know. Back then, we, that's when we, we learned our ropes, right? Yeah, laid the foundation for what the band is yeah. today, absolutely. Precisely, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so around here, every year at the end of the year, we do a best of, you know, our favorite top 10 records. And I got to tell you, both myself and my co-host had Undress Your Madness on our top 10 at the end of 2019. Good to hear, man. Happy to hear that. And, you know, getting back to the, the corona thing, the thing is, and because of my illness and because of the, 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 the coronavirus on top, you know, we haven't even played a show. We haven't even had a chance to promote the uh, Undress Your Magic, which I think is a really good album. And that's, uh, that's horrible, too. It's so frustrating, for, for not just for me, everybody in the band, that we never get out and, and play those songs live, you know. But I hope we will at some point in the future. You know, let's see what happens. You know, right now everything is uh, kind of up in the air. You know, but uh, yeah. But I'm glad to hear that. I I, I really think Andres Shemat was a great album.
your artwork for your albums has been pretty amazing and pretty consistent throughout Pretty Maid's career. I love your guys' logo. Have you been working with the same person on this? What can you tell us about your artwork? Well, now you're asking me. I can't even remember who did the artwork <laughs> back in the 90s. But I can. I remember who did the Future World and the Job the Gun cover. That was uh, was a guy called Joe Patekno. Joe Patekno, who also is an English guy who also, who also did Motorhead. That's that's actually how we get in touch with. He did the uh, Gaspatron thing, you know. Yeah. That cover, and um, and he did it was he did this kind of airbrush thing, which we thought was really cool. So he did those albums, and after that, I, there's a couple of albums I, I can't remember who did it. But for the last 10 years, we used a German guy called Kai Brockschmidt, who out of nothing came out with a, we didn't, never heard about the guy, but he just sent us, I mean, through Facebook or something to Kenny or whatever it was, a suggestion for, uh, that he said he wanted to do uh, our next cover. He was, a, he was an old fan of the band and stuff like that. And he came up with the, the cover from Pandemonium. And he's done literally everything for us ever since, you know, and he's doing an absolutely great gig. Great job. You know, yeah, great Pandemonium's guy. great. Kingmaker's great. Undress Your Madness is great. Very, all very cool stuff. Yeah, and he's a school teacher. Now. He's just <laughs> doing this as a hobby. That's amazing. Yeah. No, he's a good guy. You can all, I always know we send something to, we know we'll get a, uh, eventually he'll come on with something great, you know, and so we're very happy about having him on board for this. It's awesome. So with Frontiers, Frontiers being your record label, we know that Serafino loves to pair musicians. And of course, you and Eric Martinson have Nordic Union. Were there any other projects that Serafino threw at you? Probably. I can't remember. No, <laughs> no, it's, it, I mean, I'm not, I'm like, no, he, he didn't actually, but, but I mean, the Nordic union thing, uh, was actually meant to be something else that didn't turn out the way, uh, I, I just didn't like the songs. I, I agreed to do an offside project for them, like, uh, 2014 or something. He, he wrote me and he requested me to do it. And I said, well, it depends on the music, you know, I don't want to mix things up with pretty mates and stuff like that. And it's got to be of a certain quality. Otherwise I won't do it. And he said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I, I, I was actually put together with another artist producer, and I shall not mention any names, but what I what I had for the twelve songs I had, I said, "Well, this is bullshit. This is left hand work. I I'm not going to do that." And he agreed to that. So he uh, got hooked me up with Eric Martins, who I actually met a couple of times on festivals between this band, Eclipse. And the first two songs I had was a song called Hypocrisy and a song called When Death Is Calling. And I thought those two songs were great. And I said, "Well, if this is the standard, yeah, I'm going to do it. Absolutely, I'm, I'll do it." So that's that's it. No, he we haven't talked. He uh, not talked about doing other things. I'm sure we could if we wanted to, but um, that was it. So we we've done two albums, and and that's that's basically it for now. You know, let's see what happens in the future. I don't know. I don't know for 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 several reasons. Nobody knows what's what what's coming next. I'm now. I've had this cancer shit going. You know, so it's it's hard for me to plan anything right now. But uh, I definitely intend to do more. But what that's going to be, I don't know. Let's see. Well, we also love the Nordic Union stuff. And uh, you talked about not being able to play Undress Your Madness uh, out on the road yet because of everything that's transpired since the record came out. We were set, my co-host and I were set to see Pretty Maids on the Monsters of Rock cruise this year. And yeah. of course you had to cancel obviously due to your health and, uh, everybody completely understood that, but you guys are set to sail next year with us mm. and along with eclipse. Okay. 
We're hoping, A, that that cruise actually happens in February and we can all go on it. Well, let's see. I mean, that's as I say, everything is still up in the air. I mean, like nobody, it's so unpredictable right now because of the virus thing. And also because of my health, as, as I said, I don't know if I, it was you at all, but I'm saying I'm living my life in stages, you know, because if the next if the next scan in two months tells me that I that that I have a relapse and I have to go to back back into chemo. When when we canceled the, the last um, Masters of Rock, I was actually in chemo at the time being. So I couldn't do it. You know, I'm not even allowed to travel outside of my country uh, for uh, health reasons. Right. So and, and 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 insurance reasons as well. You know. So, I mean, uh, it's it's so hard for me to predict. All I can say is I would love to go out and play again. I mean, I, I really want to, and I want to do it. I want to do it. This is one of my goals, you know. you got to set goals for yourself all the time, you know. I'd love to do that, you know. So let's see what happens, you know. I'm, I don't want to rule anything out, you know, but it's hard for me to, to say, yeah, we're definitely going to do that because I don't literally at the moment, I, I don't know. Of course, we are pulling for you, and, uh, you know, your health comes first and foremost, so. It does, you know, because I mean, it's not in my own hands, to be honestly. You know, it's not in my own hands. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep a, you know, have a positive mindset, and and I'm determined that I have some goals, there's certain things I want to do, you know, and and I also have a family, my wife and two kids, you know. Uh, so I have a lot to live for. I still have a lot to accomplish, and and uh, uh, so I'm positive, man. I'm, that's all I can be. That's all I can do, you know. So the rest is up to the higher powers. It's a good attitude. Uh, let's talk about this new DVD CD package made in Japan, 30th anniversary of future world. You guys released this new DVD CD package last week, uh, on May 22nd. I've had a chance to watch the DVD and listen to the record. You decided to record this record in Japan on a two night stand. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was like um, it was actually uh, some kind of a uh, plan B. Actually, we did a, did some recordings on a festival in the summer of 2018. Actually, the album was meant to be recorded in the spring, but that, back then I got sick again. I hit my head and was hospitalized in Switzerland for a couple of days, so we had to cancel three gigs. I fell down from a bar stool. Now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but so it, Japan was a kind of a plan B, but it was an obvious choice because Japan has always been a great market for for uh, and Japan always meant something special for pretty mates because we always had a great reception down there. We had a great reception in a lot of places in the world, you know. But when the grunge came along, we had a hit in Japan, and that saved our ass for ten years, right? Uh, saved our asses for 10 years and uh, so japan was like obvious it's a great uh, great crowd very dedicated fans and stuff like that so that was the choice and that's that's why we had to do it and we never did any dvds any videos any visual uh things recorded in japan so that was kind of like uh, an obvious choice yeah, and I noticed and had heard that the Japanese audience is usually reserved until after the song is over. But on the DVD, to me, they look like any other crazed rock crowd. I mean, you guys went over pretty well. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that that's changed quite a bit. You know, they used to be very, when I say dedicated, they're very serious. They listen to the songs very much. The, when you play, they listen to the music. It was it was pretty pretty weird the first time we played there. It was like it was like it was kind of gated. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That when you when you when you uh, went out and and the house light went, you went on stage and everyone was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was totally quiet, you know. <laughs> and you started just because they were very sincere. They listened to the music, listened to the lyrics and everything. And then 
they gave you a big applause after the after the songs, you know, and stuff like that. But today, it's, and back then, they used to sit down. We played these big theaters, right? Like 3,000, 4,000 people, whatever, you know, back in early 90s and stuff when we were um, had, a, had a big hit down there. And then later on, like like when we did the um, gigs in Kawasaki and uh, Club Cheetah, which we, which we also used to play back then, but that was a stand-up crowd, so it was more like a rock. It was more like playing in Europe or America or something like that, you know. But but nevertheless, it was a great uh, I only a great memory from those two gigs. You know, it was, it was fantastic. We played actually two different. We played there two days and we played two different sets. Uh, we played the Future World album in its entirety every night, and then we did, and then we mixed, uh, swapped songs. You know, played some songs we never played before, actually. But uh, what ended up on the album was the uh, was kind of a uh, what we agreed on to do, you know, as bonus tracks. The set flows really well. I mean, it's it, the whole thing moves really well. It doesn't, you know, some people tend to put too much slow moments uh, in a show here and there. And I don't think that you guys did that at all. I think that the thing just flows really well. I like it a lot. I think we're always trying to balance it out when we're talking about when we're making a set list, it's always, it takes a bit of diplomacy. I have, even after all those years, you know, trying to find the right balance, you know, it shouldn't be too boring or anything. But what we do in Pretty Maze and what we always did is we never really went out with any big theatrical production or anything like that. We just go in and play with emotion. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we do it because we love doing it. And and, and to this day, we still do love doing it. And I hope that uh, Made in Japan kind of exposed that. Yeah, this thing sounds amazing. And visually, it's great as well. Did you guys clean up uh, the audio, do a lot of post-production, or is what we hear is what we get? I do not really know. I've probably been fixed a couple of things. To be honest, I'm not saying this to wash my hands. I know that I had to go in before the surgery because I wasn't a very big part of this. Because I mean, in the in the fall, I was going through all these treatments and stuff like and surgery and stuff like that while all this was going on. So Chris Laney, our keyboard player, was actually more or less in charge of this. And um, I know that I I went in before the surgery because I said I said to call Jacob. I said, I got to I forgot a verse. <laughs> in one of the songs i think it was it was one of the future world songs i think it was loud and proud or something like that yeah. but so i had to go in i sang the bronc something i fucked up totally and uh so i went in to change that and a few other lines that was out you know that was or some feet and whatever you know i don't know how much the other guys have done actually to be honestly um uh, if they've done anything they probably have fixed a little bit here and there you know but it's more like a, a sound kind of thing you know um uh, and we played those songs for so many years. We normally don't fuck up in those songs. So uh, anyway, I think it sounds true and real, and and it is. You know, it, it is the the essence of what the band is all about, really. I typically, I'm not a huge live album person, but this this thing sounds amazing. Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. And that's that's why I haven't even seen the DVD, to be honestly, because I hate watching myself. I'm not the kind of guy that go in and and uh, on YouTube and see see the last concert I did. I fucking hate it. Yeah. I really do. So uh, that's what it is, you know. But um, the for the for the reaction we've had so far is from from what I know is is good and fans like it and. It's got reasonably good reviews and stuff like that. So that's cool. That's yeah. all cool. Awesome. Yeah, I dig it. So I would ask you what's next for Pretty Maids once we get back to the business of playing music. Do you do you have any ideas? I have no clue. I mean, I mean, I mean, Pretty Maids has pretty much been in some kind of a limbo since 
since what happened to me yeah. and uh, and then there's all this stuff on top you know and it's been i think it's been very frustrating for everybody everyone let's see what happens you know nobody knows what, when when we will be able to play live again and it's if it's actually possible to get a live gig i mean it's like the whole world want to go every band in the world want to go out and play next year right yeah. so uh, let's see if there's any venues left you know but i'm sure i hope so absolutely hopefully hope we'll be out and play some gigs i haven't played one song we haven't played one song from the andre jamatna's album and uh, we want to do that absolutely so yeah, yeah. let's see what happens but right now as we just talked about it's totally unpredictable yeah. totally have you guys discussed at all about maybe doing any kind of like live streams or anything like that? What everybody else is doing these days? No, no, we haven't really. We haven't really. Everybody else is doing that now. No, I mean, I mean, people right now, right now in Denmark is uh, is like started to do these drive-in concerts, you know, <laughs> and so, and people are saying, oh, how was it? And people are pushing their horns and the cars. Come on, that's a fucking joke if you ask me. I would never do it. I promise you, well, it doesn't matter what I was paid. I wouldn't do it. It's not playing live. Come on, that's a joke. But um, it's okay if people want to see that, go go see it, you know. Uh, I know. I never watched a drive-in movie anyway, but... Uh, but that's that. People have to invent new ways to get a live experience. But I just can't see it. I mean, it it wouldn't work for me. But anyway, let let's see what happens. Nobody knows. I mean, I'm just waiting waiting it out and see when it's possible to go back on stage again. That's uh, that's what I'm looking forward. To. Hey, look, Ronnie, I'm desperate here. I was excited just to put on your DVD and watch that the other day. <laughs> That'll that'll be it for now, man. That'll be it for now, right? <laughs> so I hope you're you're good with that, you know. But uh, I, I tell you, man, we everybody is looking forward to go out and play live again. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate your time, Ronnie. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, or that I didn't ask you about? No, it's not really. I mean, if you're good, I'm I'm fine. You know, I'll take the phone from my ear and wait until the next call that comes in two or three minutes. Right. <laughs> Have a couple of sips of that red wine for me. I will, man. I will. All right. Cheers. Nice talking to you, man. Thanks, Ronnie. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Goes like this. Still
Hello, Stephen. Hello, Ronnie Atkins. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Just uh, sitting upstairs uh, in my house, looking at the the sun's going down, flowing easy. <laughs> I'm fine. You got a full day of uh, interviews here today and tomorrow, right? I got a full night because it's night over here, right? It's 7:30 p.m. So yeah, I just I just did one. I have a lot. I have like seven or eight tonight. So uh, yeah, you're number two. So yeah, that's my night. So I'm sitting here with a glass of wine. You know, I shouldn't <laughs> just a glass. <laughs> a man after my own heart. It's a little bit too early exactly. for me here. <laughs> right, precisely. So, okay, we are on the same level. That sounds good. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, I hope it's red. <laughs> it is red. It is red, indeed. And it actually was from California. It's um, Pinot Noir. Very good California. man. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like. And leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock.